I muted. There you go. Yeah. I was talking to Billy. All right. That's enough being nice. Knock it off. Knock it off. That's, that was a lot of fun. This guy. How about that band? Is that a great? So they're so great. <laughs> and, you know, like a half of them are people from our congregation and half not, which I love that. I hope you do as well. Um, how many of you were at amphitheater services in the summer? Oh my gosh, so a lot of you. So, and then how many of you, this is your first time to come into this building and have a church? Oh, very good. Oh, a number of you. Thank you. That takes courage to acknowledge and admit it. Nobody's going to hunt you down. There's no cameras watching. But we are kind of a bipolar church. Uh, we have the outside world what we, that we have out there. We have the inside world. But we try to make sure there's enough consistency that you actually will get to enjoy it and, and feel like, oh yeah, that's a lot. How many of you, your first experience was an amphitheater uh, service, and now you attend this church on a pretty regular way? See, there's a number. Yeah, look, at there's a whole bunch of you. So that's a, it's a good entry point and a good introduction to DCC. Speaking of introductions to DCC, we have this thing that we pass out. And boy, it's a lot of work for Darla, for Jude, for everyone else. There's data in here. Be sure to look through. I am not going to go through and do a sales job or a highlight of anything, but there's uh, ministries that are going on, there's education opportunities, there's uh, DCC dates, upcoming events, there's happenings. I don't know what all those, what the difference is between all those. I guess maybe you can help sort that out. And then there's prayer requests, and then these two things that are falling out that are more options, opportunities for you. Um, if this is a like a first strike for you. You might want to fill this out. We will not hassle you. I promise you, we do not harass you. But if you ask for some feedback or a connection with a pastor or someone, we will get back to you. I promise you that. And then on the back, there's some very current. We tend to put very like, this is within the next week or two, and it's a big deal. There's some opportunities there, particularly the communication seminar. Um, If you're not sure if you should attend the communication seminar, you should go. That's just the truth. You should go. If you actually think, boy, I could really use a communication seminar, maybe you don't need it because that's a big part of communication is actually being aware of that. And then the Ireland project that the guys were just talking about. So that's what's going on. Also, our pastor, anybody remember Jim? Remember Jim Howard? Yeah, okay. Yay, good. Um, He's in Mozambique right now. This is a great part of who we are as a congregation that that's for us for him to be able to take what he learns here and carry it out and spread the word. And it, it gives him, this is a, we're truly like the experimental gerbils in his world. That's kind of how it works. And that's good. That's the way it should work. He spent a lot of years in seminaries and in training and education and always part of church staffs. But this is his first senior pastorate. How many of you knew that? That this was the first time he was ever a senior pastor? Not very many of you knew that. And so he's learning and then he takes those principles, the ideas, and he goes out and then he takes them to India, Nepal, Mozambique, all over the place, and even places like Cambridge and stuff like that, which is so very cool. So let's pray. You have some issues that you would like to pray about. Here's a chance for you to do that while I open us. Lord, we're grateful to be here together. We uh, recognize our total dependency on you. 
often we it's we get kind of clamoring along and we can forget but prayer changes the plane of the conversation from being just us as humans and it brings you into the conversation so do bless our pastor as he's um, still in a, a whole nother week of some time with the people there in Mozambique that he's built relationships with. He's able to interact with training pastors is such a big deal. So encourage him, give him grace and strength. And we have issues that we have in our minds and hearts. Several people on the list here, uh, surgeries, number of different things, and also some great celebrations and praises. So thank you, Lord. Be a part of our lives. Um, move inside of us in an amazing way so that we are aware of that. And give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. I still have not... Oh, you reformatted that. You're a genius. Wendy Myers, ladies and gentlemen. Give her a big hand back there. Yeah, that's deserving. I put this picture in, and all you could read was like the three middle letters right in the middle. She reformatted it because like that, that was exactly, what did you do differently? You'll have to teach me later. Anyways, this, this is what we're trying to remind. See what all these issues are, economy, war, poverty, famine, abortion, aging, immigration, the, the environment. See what's going on there? The question is, are you for or against? Isn't that really like the general posture of our culture right now in the United States? Are you for or against? Last weekend at the retreat, we had a fantastic time over at Snow Mountain Ranch in Granby, and our speakers really set us up well, as did that fun song that the guys led us or sang to us there at the very end. Um, Todd Tillabaugh gave us this little paradigm. It's like, okay, it's not about me, just about me, but it's about the kingdom. Those of you who are there, right. So it's, it is about me on this level, though, because there are somebodies and nobodies, but I am somebody that has a calling with a cause and a purpose. What a great thing that helps us moving forward. Because Jim's been talking all summer about uh, life outside of the cage. We're not just trapped as Christians. In fact, we're the most free people in the world. We have the most freedom because we've been empowered by Christ with the truth, which is really important. Now, it's not at the exclusion of like nothing else is truth because there's, of course, laced truth into everything. But the, the awareness that we are who we are created in the image of God, we have purpose and meaning on this planet and we've got a job to do. That's a, a great, great value that, that we have received. Um, Todd did a great job, I think, uh, reminding us of that and helped us to say, okay, well, what's, what's going on? What does that mean for us? So here's what we're going to do in this series. This is the kickoff of this series to think about issues with integrity, the issues that we face, that our culture, that our public society faces. So I'm going to ask you this question. What's the most important issue on a global scale right now? It's an active question. Give me some answers. Climate change. Say it again. Hunger. Poverty. Salvation. Terrorism is a real issue. 
Mental illness is a huge issue, probably more acute in this country than maybe other places in the world. Ah, opiates. So are we, maybe now we've gone, because I don't know if opiate addiction is as big of an issue in, say, India or Nepal. I don't know that. But if we go from, because global issues are, right, they're, they're huge scope. What about in the United States? I would put opiates for sure as a major issue in the United States. What are some other issues that are within our country? <laughs> I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Um, right? A whole number of different issues just came up right there at the national level with some that dovetail as being global issues, right? Okay, let's narrow the field a little bit more. What's the biggest issue in Colorado? Water is a huge issue in, in Colorado, it is. Trafficking, is that suicide, mental illness? You could think of more, right, that are specific to our state, specifically maybe related to drug issues, right? Okay, let's narrow it a little bit for, uh, further. What about Summit County? What are the biggest issues in Summit County? Housing. housing. That, of course, came right out in the first service, too. Like seven people said housing. What else? Alcohol, depression, Suicide. See, it's interesting because suicide doesn't really hit the, the level at the higher. But boy, you talk in our country, I mean in our county, it immediately contextualizes. Anything else? Too much growth. Too, much growth, too many. Well, if you've been here a while, Nance, of course, yeah, right, I get that. Okay, let's narrow it down a little bit more. What about your neighborhood? Bears. Snow. Bears. Snow. <laughs> your HOA. Yeah, that's your problem. That always creates a good cackle, talking about HOAs. What about the school that your child goes to? Because immigration hasn't hit the table yet. Or if it did, I missed it. I mean, you know, we have more displaced people on the planet now than ever in the history of humanity. That's a global issue. It's also a local issue. Now, Here's the real question for the day that actually is, this is what the basis of this whole series is. How did you decide what were those most important issues? What happened? What was the mechanism? This is what I'm trying to do is get you to go, huh? Yeah, exactly. What was the mechanism that went on in your brain? Okay, some of it's personal. Absolutely, the media has a massive influence on what we consider to be the issues. Okay? Passionate, so it goes beyond just personal engagement, but something that has affected you. Because, say it again. Okay? Here's the truth. We have a mechanism that goes on that helps us choose and decide what are the things that are the biggest issues. And what we're trying to say is this. What's the difference between the mechanism of a person who's faithfully engaged with the God of the universe and trying to bring that to bear in the issues around us, whether it's global or right in our neighborhood? What are the standards? How do we do? What's the distinctives? What's different? What are the things that happen inside of us that would set us apart, but also 
allow us to be part of the broader conversation. Because what we're going to do is think through different topics. The goal will never be, if you've been around here with Jim or me speaking, we're not going to tell you what to think. We're not going to tell you what to be for or what to be against. What color to wear on voting day. We're not going to tell you that. But what we will do is try to encourage you to think in a faithful way. Think with integrity. Think with a sense that says, okay, I can approach these issues and I have a good methodology and I have a good set of standards and values as to how we decide where to put our resources, our investment, our time, our focus, our awareness, our everything. And I think today I'll be able to point out some maybe potential traps. Um, how many of you were around in the 70s and remember? Ah, you don't have to raise your hand. Forget it. Some of you can't get your hand up. It's like, okay, I get that. Um, when I was in high school, there were two great big issues that we had. You saw bumper stickers. You saw T-shirts. One of them was nuclear war. No nukes. We, they had all these different forms and versions, bumper stickers, everything else going on. Because we were in the middle of the Cold War, and at that point in time... I think we had the capacity to kill every human being on the, on the planet like 77 times or something crazy like that, okay? No nukes. Another big issue was the whales were being still harvested throughout the world by the Japanese, the Chinese, a number of... And so everything was save the whales. Remember, save the whales? Now, some genius figured out we can combine those two issues. And this is my favorite bumper sticker in the history of the world. It said, nuke the whales, Okay, yeah, you might be a little offended by that, but the truth is, I was like, okay, that gets at the heart of this whole thing, the complication of this thing, and almost where you end up saying, what's the use? Let's just nuke the whales and get it over with. It's an interesting reflection on who we are. Now, here's what I think is going on. These are observations I'm going to make that will help us. We are going to get to the Bible, by the way, because fascinatingly, Jesus was very aware of the complication of interacting with a public societal scenario and context. He was very aware of how tricky that was, and he taught some about it. So we're going to get there in just a second. But let me make these couple of observations about our general society. These are U.S. observations right now. You can argue, and I'd love to sit down and get a coffee and talk about this, but I think these three values drive most of what we're about in issues. First of all, autonomy, individualism, freedom, personal rights, that idea. We've gotten to a place where we say, look, we don't want to, we are the land of the free and the home of the brave, doggone it. Uh, we have a statute of liberty in New York Harbor. We're all about this. The foundational element of what it means to be American is freedom. And so we don't want to restrict anybody. Right? You've got freedom. That's one big thing. So put that next to the second one, which is safety. Now, so much of conversation is about, oh, we've got to make places safe. Oh, we've got to remove any possibility for something to be dangerous. Somebody might get hurt. We, uh, I don't know. In the first service, I made this statement. You know who won 9-11, don't you? It wasn't the United States. That's not the outcome of that. It honestly has changed so many 
calibrations of what we do regarding to safety now, where we used to have, interestingly, so those two things kind of conflict with each other at some level, right? The third thing, honestly, is a very intriguing thing because it's compassion. Everything is about making sure that somebody gets to live into their dreams and feel good about themselves. And, you know, we don't want anybody to have to feel shamed. We, you know, everything is, gosh, we just need to do what's best for everything. And again, a lot of times that conflicts with some of the other issues. So we put restrictions on and safety, but we, and then compassion. How do these things work together? It's super tricky. I read an article in Wired Magazine about the Google. How many of you use the Google? The mothership. I think, you remember the movie Independence Day? I think the mothership is Google. Anyways, the Google has a very interesting scenario that they're still trying to unpack after years of this event. They have two driving values. I just mentioned a couple there. They have two driving values. They have more, but these two are a big deal to Google. They express it. They build mechanisms into their culture all the time. One is everybody can come here and everybody has the right and the freedom to express their position in there. So it's autonomy, right? Now, interestingly, you've got a whole number of people that are former military that are bringing their skill sets to the table. And that tends to have one wing, right, of thinking. And you also have a number of tech millennials that grew up at Stanford and Cal Poly, right? And that has a tendency to have a wing to it. So how do you navigate this, having space for both? It's complicated. They also have this, another value that is fascinating to me. Because they say, we do not want to do anything that does evil in the world. That's literally in their values. We don't want to do evil in the world. Now, what does Google mean? What does Google think evil is? I don't even know what they would use as a standard. But a couple of years ago, it's almost five years ago now, they had an opportunity to get a big contract with the United States Air Force to be the mothership for the drones that are flown around the world. They have the software, they have the network, they have the capacity around the globe to gather data from these drones that not only look and watch, but actually sometimes execute attacks, right? And they have the capacity to bring that up into their cloud, do the data distribution and an analysis and everything else. Well, now what? Because when word got out within the network of Google, it was like, so wait... Which value are we going after here? And isn't that evil? Are, go are, are drones inherently evil? That's a complicated issue. Because there's a whole number of people that say, there's no other for drones other than war. Now, I'm not trying to make the case. What I'm trying to say is this. It got so bad in Google that several of the higher executives in Google left the company. Because they're trying now, it's this interest against that interest. Wait, we thought we were going to try to be safe. Everybody had a word and a purpose and a value. And at, wait, now we're all fighting each other. And it, then a whole bunch of issues hit the table and the thing got super complicated. They're still working that out and trying to redefine what does this mean. It's complicated. It's super 
complicated because sometimes they conflict with each other. Sometimes you end up having to choose how you're going to prioritize, and that's not easy. And here's what we ultimately do in our country. This is my last observation related to this. We have built a competition of causes in our country. There's a competition set up between the different causes. Follow me on this. 25 years ago, I had heard of breast cancer. I never thought about breast cancer. How many of you have heard of Susan G. Komen? Every one of you. Why? Somebody decided we'll use her story, we'll build a foundation, we'll get to work, and we will raise awareness. The NFL wears pink uniforms, for crying out loud. We'll raise awareness... And we'll use a little, it, it was genius, right? Genius marketing. We'll use this little ribbon. And then everybody started piggybacking on the ribbon. I saw a plaid ribbon the other day that I had no idea what that even meant. Like, I think purple is Alzheimer's, but I'm not sure. You see what's going on? See where, see where I'm headed? There's a competition now, ultimately built within the platform of our discussions in our society. And what we have to do is we have to raise things up. And inherently, whether we like it or not, we push other things down. You ever think about that? By the way, little bracket here. We do the same thing with Scripture all the time as Christians. If you say, it doesn't matter which side you pick. If you say, I am all about sovereignty of God... You pick those verses, you trumpet those verses, and you push down the other verses that might speak about free will, or vice versa. We do the same thing. We create a competition the same way within even our use of doctrine. But the society has said, this is how it works for us. We'll just present it. We'll have another fun run. We'll, we'll have t-shirts. We'll do whatever to do what it takes, ultimately... Have you thought about this? Ultimately, it's built on manipulation. Ultimately. It's how do we get enough of the pictures of the starving child or of the dog that's been abused in front of people so it'll push the right button and they'll release a 5, a 50, or a 5,000, right? That's how it works. It's not about what's really most important. It's not about what's really in the best interest even of the society or the public. It's really about how can we get people enough, either in, incentivize them because they'll love to play golf while we raise money from them. I do it all the time, go to golf fundraiser, or run or whatever. It's our methodology as a country how we handle issues. And here's what we're suggesting with this entire series. If you want to know the baseline of this, of this entire series, it is. We're trying to say, how do we look at different issues and look at them in such a way that we're making decisions with different criteria than just manipulation? There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. We actually have the capacity to do something that really means a whole lot 
that actually can speak to us. Let's look at some Bible so that you don't think I'm just just giving a TED talk here. Let's uh, get our Bibles out. You can open your personal electronic device. Don't look at the Google. They're going to distract you. But open your devices, get a Bible out of the chair in front of you, or you can follow along because we're going to put it up here. Matthew 13. I'm choosing this passage. You probably know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot in common. Mark probably is the oldest that had the priority on the writings. But you can make a case for Matthew. Anyways, there's, often they say the same thing in different areas. This is an interesting place where the first parable that Jesus tells here is listed very clearly, almost word for word, same language in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Matthew adds another parable on the tail end that neither Mark nor Luke ever include, which is really intriguing. Why Matthew did it, we'll never know. But it is how it is. Matthew 13, and we're going to look at this and just listen in here to how this is uh, Jesus discussing and addressing the issues of the world. Pick this up with me. So verse 3. Then Jesus said many things to them in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. I challenge you to listen to the methodology here. Is this a very effective farming principles? Just, just, just going to say that. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have a lot of soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seeds, some more, fell among the thorns that grew up, but the thorns choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. Ultimately, this is effective with a whole lot of inefficiency in it. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Interesting. And the disciples come to him in this, in this version or, or, or account. They say, why do you speak to the people in parables? And another one, they're like, what in the world does that mean? That didn't even mean anything to us. Jesus replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. This is why I speak in parables. Verse 12. Look at this exchange of wealth that's discussed. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Is that just information? Is that wealth exchange? That's pretty fascinating. Seems to give priority to having. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. That's one telling of it. In there, uh, then now he says another. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For these people's hearts are calloused. And now the third time he says, they hardly hear with their ears, they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. When Jesus says something, especially in Greek, uh, Hebrew is the same way. When it's said once, it's important. When there's three different tellings of the same data, what we've got here is closed eyes and plugged ears. That's the problem. And Jesus says it three times. But blessed are your eyes, verse 16, because they see and your ears because they can hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets, righteous people, long to see what you see, they didn't. And to hear what you hear, they didn't. 
Listen then to what it means. Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that fell along the path. Never forget, there's an entire system of enemy that does not want good, effective, righteous, intelligent decisions made about issues with integrity. Never forget that. That's the first illustration Jesus uses, is that there's an enemy he wants to undermine. Interestingly, in the secondary follow-up parable, the same thing comes out again. So he emphasizes it even further in the next parable. Verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and they receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they just last a short time and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So what you've got here is an initial reaction that's like, yay, this is awesome. And then difficulty and the wind starts blowing and the waves start coming and it's like, I'm out. You can tell me stories of people you know that this is true. This happens in every cause, by the way. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of the life and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Fascinatingly, he has seemed to be very positive towards wealth a few verses ago. Here he seems to be pretty pejorative. He's like, man, wealth is just a distraction. Whether you're poor or wealthy, you know the distraction of being either end of that. You do. You've seen it. You might have lived it. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who here, this is the one who produces the great crop. Productivity. Jesus told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed seed, seeds of, of uh, the weeds among the wheats and went away. Now, the problem in their world is that the wheat and these weeds, the tares, if you remember the old English King James Version, look exactly the same. It's not like one of them is a sequoia and the other is a blade of grass. These things next to each other are almost imperceptibly different from one another. So it sprouts and it forms heads and the weeds also appeared. Verse 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, Wait a minute, didn't we sow good seed in the field? Where are all these weeds? Does anybody sow weeds on purpose? Well, that doesn't make any sense. What happened here? And he says, verse 28, an enemy did this. So this is attack. And the servant said, well, what do you want us to do? You want us to go pull everything up? Just burn it all? We can't tell the difference between them. Now, you may say right there, okay, well, that's one way to deal with a cause is we just tear the whole thing apart. The system doesn't work. It's all just messed up. There's no hope. We just got to blast the whole thing and forget about it. The other is you go back to that person who in fear shrunk and, and put their kind of head under the pillow is I don't even want to pay attention to any of these issues. I'm out. I'm just going to 
you know, divorce myself from it completely. I'm escaping. I'm gone. I got no, I've got no stake in the matter, right? Jesus says, don't pull it up, verse 29, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in that time I'll tell the harvesters, collect the weeds, tie them in bundles. You will be able to tell once it's dry, and we'll burn that and then gather the wheat, bring it into my barn. And you know what he's talking about. That's the final judgment. That's the last day. That's the day of the Lord in Joel and all through the Old Testament. That's the second advent, the coming of Christ in the New Testament. Until then, Jesus says, let them work together next to each other. And it's going to be super complicated because you will hardly be able to tell the difference between the two. Would you have built a system like that? <laughs> I promise you I would not have built a system like that. I would say, wait, there, there needs to be red plants and blue plants so you can tell the difference between them. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So it's like, no, we should be able to be very distinctively clear. We're not, we're not. We want to think we are all the time. We want to find all those things that we can throw rocks at and tear down the other person, and that's never what this is about. It's not how this system... The whole thing is built on. They're going to cohabitate, bring to the earth what they bring to the earth, and it'll all sort out at the final judgment. But let me make this really importantly clear. What he's not saying is, so just wait till heaven and it'll be great. So that's the third thing that often I hear from Christians. They were like, well, this is all just, it's all just going to burn up anyway, so I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't care what goes on in all these issues. What do I care? I've got no investment in this place. That is not remotely what Jesus is teaching here. What Jesus is saying is, no, there's work to be done. We're going to stick it out. We're going to work together with each other. Some people are going to be effective and have an amazing effectivity in a crop, and others won't get a thing done at all, and that's how this is all going to work. So how do you be sure that you're making decisions in such a way that are faithful, that are righteous, that also say, okay, use some values other than just the cultural values of our society in public right now? How do we maybe redefine compassion into being a sacrificial love? What would that look like? How do we redefine safety to where we go, actually, some pain and suffering is actually beneficial to people? How do we look at the, the idea of autonomy and take it beyond just individualism and, and selfishness and go, there is dignity and worth and the community sees great value. You are assigned that because God assigned it to all of us. How do we do that? And then ultimately, how do we sort through, look at the issues, prioritize, engage, and make a difference? I hope that uh, last weekend, if you were at the retreat, one of the, the little paradigms Todd Tillipaw used was, we could be a church that's a destination. We all come together, we sit in the pews, we're nice to each other, we sing great songs about beer and whiskey. We have just a blast, right? We have a good time together. Or we can be a launching pad. If you mistakenly think 
this congregation has no influence in this county because we're the minority and because we're kind of small. That's a mistaken belief. This, there is a powder keg of potential energy that needs to become more kinetic energy into this county with you and with me, with us as a group of people. Not to push anybody around, just to be out there making a difference. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teachings of Jesus. Thank you for the fact that the issues bring us to a place of dependency. Uh, thank you that we can develop methods that will help us navigate, choose, invest. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, that you raise up some champions from our church, some people that say, that cause is why I'm here. The Holy Spirit has called me to that cause. And we would step out and make a difference. Thank you for the place in which we find ourselves. Summit County. It's a little wonky. It's a little crazy. But it's also just amazing. And there's wonderful people here. Help us to view them as Jesus viewed them. Have our eyes open. And to hear them as Jesus heard them. Have our ears open as well. Uh, give us your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Come on up, guys, band, and uh, ushers, if you would come. We do receive an offering. That's been our standard procedure for decades. You are always generous as a church. And I hope you realize that this is part of what we're always trying to do is find the ways that as an organization we can be involved, but also to invest in other things that will make a difference in our community. As I went down in the river to pray, study up that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down through the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown the Lord, show me the
Come on, sinners. <laughs> I love that. We have this perspective as people of God, with the Holy Spirit, with the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of Scripture, the whole history of the Jews. We are not the right, perfect people. It is a broken model to think, all we have to do is educate people and give them good opportunities and they will always choose what is right. Are you kidding me? We know better than that. The system doesn't. We know we're sinners, but we're equally sinners, all of us. We're coming from a broken place. We need redemption. We need grace. We need mercy. And that's what communion is about. I didn't assign anybody to uh, serve communion. If you'd like to come and